Welcome back to the Work Amiha podcast, the podcast where mujeres empower mujeres. Today, I'm joined by Elizabeth Requena, a freelance video editor currently living in Brooklyn, New York, originally from the south side of Chicago. South side. She moved to New York shortly after graduating from Columbia College to pursue her career in editing. She has worked for high profile clients and brands such as Pat McGrath, Sasha Velour, Target, Revlon, and many more. She has also worked on multiple short films and was an editor for the feature film Killer Unicorn, which you can watch on several streaming platforms such as Amazon Prime, Apple TV, and Google Play. Welcome, Elizabeth, and thank you for joining us. Hello. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. <laughs> awesome. I am so excited. And as I mentioned on our previous episodes, if we can, we're going to go as deep into it as we can astrologically. Yeah. And Elizabeth, surprisingly, she willingly shared her placements, giving her sun sign, which I'm going to shout it out right off the bat just to expose you. <laughs> and if anyone can guess off these hints, Elizabeth is a Scorpio sun, but we also know her moon and rising sign, which I wonder if they will reveal themselves throughout the interview. And for those of us, you know, who are still learning a little bit about astrology. I'll just kind of briefly explain your sun sign is your identity and how you shine. Your moon sign embodies emotions, rising, your motivation for life. And we can even bonus talk about the midheaven a little bit since I do know we do share that placement, which kind of relates to your career and life path. Anything you wanted to add about these astrological meanings or anything? Uh, we could see as it comes, you know, I want to Keep my moon sign private for now. <laughs> I'll 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 say it later. Oh yeah, it will be revealed. Oh for sure. And as I was kind of like going through like your journey in general, the journey, I was like, oh my gosh, the rising. Like yes, this this, this. <laughs> I totally get it. Um, also because we share the same rising sign, I was like, oh, oh my, my gosh. <laughs> yes. Okay. I will say my rising gets me in more trouble than my sun sign. Yeah, I could see that. Same, yeah, same, same. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now to get maybe um, a little bit more background about you. So I obviously know you pretty well for listeners out there. Elizabeth is my cousin, but let's give everyone else a little bit more of a background about yourself. Tell them a bit more about where you grew up and what was it that sparked this passion in you to get into editing and how did that journey start so I'm from Little Village born and raised um and basically I was always interested in art as a kid I think I always struggled with words I was never like a fan of reading and writing of course they're essential but you know (laughs) I was just always drawn to more visual things and so art was just a great way to escape I think also because you know, we both grew up in pretty strict households because we grew up in the hood. Like now that I'm older, I totally get it, you know, with my parents, mm-hmm. why they were the way they were. And so I think I just, art was a great way to escape, you know, when I was just stuck indoors a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe we should edit that out. <laughs> I don't want to get my mom mad, but um, 
It's true though. This is part of your journey. This is what yeah. maybe sparked it. Like art was just such a great escape. And, you know, growing up in Little Village, we didn't have access to a lot. Like our schools were pretty limited in the art programs. I really like had to look outside of school to find more, just more art. And, you know, my parents always supported it, but I definitely did it on my own, like finding some of these programs. And I realized like what has changed my life so much were so many of these after school programs, especially in high school. Like I joined Marwin. Um, mm. I took photography classes at Dvork Park. Um, and that's where I learned like black and white photography. And I will say, I think it was actually photography that led me into film. That was my first love, photography. It was taking these classes at Dvork Park that sparked my interest in just like capturing moments that I thought was really beautiful, these black and white photographs. And I wanted to pursue photography for a very long time. And I thought that's what I was going to do. I was going to do, I wanted to be a photojournalist. And then, you know, I started Marwin and Marwin. I just took a bunch of art classes there just to like have fun and explore And then I found out about Gallery 37 and Gallery 37 had this program with my high school. I went to Whitney Young and they did this thing where at the end of the day, you could leave school early and finish the day at Gallery 37 and you would get school credit. And ditch school. I got to art. That was honestly like, are you kidding me? Of course I'm going to do this. (laughs) And then I had a group of friends that were going to do it. So we had so much fun. But I mean, that's another thing. But I wanted to be in the photo program, which was very, very competitive to get into. Everyone wanted to be into in this photo program. And you had to pick a backup just in case you didn't get into your main choice and your top choice. And I put video down. I saw it there, but I really had like zero experience with video. I mean, it it just wasn't accessible. It wasn't like how it is today. You know, everyone Mm -hmm. you could play with video on your phone, you know, TikTok but none of that was around back then. So it just was an intimidating art form because there was so much tech and expensive equipment involved. Mm. So I just felt like it was completely out of my reach. Um, Even photo was already like pretty pricey, you know? And I was, I felt very lucky to find these programs that were free, you know, for me to play with these like in the dark room and learn um how to use these chemicals to develop film so anyway i applied to this photo program at gallery 37 i didn't get in i got into the video program and i was completely devastated like i i was so dramatic at the time i was just like i can't believe it you know like this is these are my dreams and it's over (laughs) it was just i was very dramatic and But then I was like, well, I want to do this program because I want to get out of school. You know, I want to get out of school early. So I was like, whatever, I'm just going to do it. And I'm so glad I did because that video program is what changed my life and what led me to like follow a career in in film. Uh, Well, in editing, because I just realized like film is the ultimate art form, at least in my opinion, because it combines everything. You know, photography Mm -hmm. is involved cinematography wise, you know, like um set design performance too and then editing was completely new to me so this is like I first discovered it and I just thought there was something 
so beautiful about piecing a story together through visuals. Then there was this other part of editing that was very tedious and very much about detail, attention to detail, which starts to reveal my moon sign a little bit. Yep, I'm like, nee, nee, nee. and I didn't even know that, you know, as a kid, like I had no idea about moon signs at that age. And there was just something about editing that was feeding my soul. And I would just like spend hours on something and and I wouldn't even realize so many hours went by, you know, mm-hmm. I so and then there's 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 a lot of control too in editing, you know, like I feel like you have editors have more power than people realize. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so serious. That might okay. be like Scorpio, too, though. True. Because it's funny, you know, looking at people's takes, it's like, you know, which one's the best take. Like, okay, they look good here and they don't look that great here. But I, I'm always oh, let's nice. talk about being judgy. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it, it's 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 pretty fun. You know, I love looking in between takes. Like, I have had some really funny moments in editing, just seeing actors, you know, in between takes. And mm-hmm. it's really funny. Like, I love seeing that, you know, it's like, another side of them that's being revealed that usually isn't revealed in front of the camera mm-hmm. um so yeah so that's kind of what gallery 37 eventually like that class it was just such a positive experience that I was like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna pursue this you know I knew about Columbia College in Chicago and I knew I wanted to stay in Chicago you know, another thing that was always on the back of my mind that I've realized has really shaped my career was just money. Like knowing there wasn't a lot of money in my household. You know, my parents, they worked so hard um, and I owe so much to them, like so many endless sacrifices, you know. And I just, I didn't want to go to school and like, to art school and live this like little fantasy of becoming an artist. Like there was a part of me that was like, I want to pick something, a skill set, a skill set that's practical. And I feel like I could use it in many different ways. And there's always going to be like a job market for it. And for some reason, something told me like editing, like it's more of a specific skill set that I felt like I could find work in, you know, compared to like becoming a director or something like that was more intimidating to me. Mm-hmm. So that's, it's just like that helped shaped my career path as well. You know, I did think about like, is this going to make me money, <laughs> basically? It's true. And I feel like now is the time to reveal this moon sign of yours, because I feel like it's really playing into your decision and career path here, which if anybody has guessed it by all these uh, different uh, details, precision, Virgo moon, I feel like it very much has played into this. Whereas I feel like maybe if you would have followed your rising sign, it probably would have been more like, ah, whatever, let's just see. I don't know, you know? Um, But also I feel like that's, That was a question I was going to ask, too, because I feel like for, you know, like a lot of Latinos, um, you know, you have your either it's your parents or your grandparents in our sense. It was like your grandparents come here first. And, you know, our parents did get that opportunity. Um, Like my mom, your mom, they did get to go to like college and everything. But I feel like it's always maybe like in the back of your mind, like somebody sacrificed everything to come here. And sometimes it's like a quote unquote risk 
to go into a creative field that maybe might be something of a passion of yours. Um, so I'm interested in like how you kind of, yeah, maneuvered that. It's like, okay, how do I pursue this creative field, uh, but make money out of it? So I feel like that Virgo moon yours, it's like, okay, we're going to follow our passions, but we're going to make money too, where I feel like, you know, like you said, you know, you could have done director, you could have done maybe film, like the other aspects of it, but you're like, this one's going to make me money. This one's going to apply to like my skills, like maybe photography. I feel like, would that have been more of a struggle uh, to kind of jump into? I feel like it would have been. Um, I mean, you just have to hustle harder, you know, you also have to be like big with networking and which I realized I'm better at it than I thought I was. But at the time I was like, I'm not this little social butterfly, but I'm actually way more of a people person than I give my self credit, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But at the time I was totally into being behind the scenes. I've always enjoyed the behind the scenes work. And, you know, that's probably Scorpio and a little bit of Virgo too. And Mm -hmm. I like being a team player you know, like film is a huge collaboration. And I really enjoy that part of it. Like, Mm -hmm. sure, you could do everything yourself, like that is possible. But like the bigger the production, it's easier to collaborate. Mm -hmm. So I just like, I enjoy being part of a team. I don't know with editing, it was just, I mean, then there was the like poetic side to it of like, like I said earlier, putting a a story together through visuals, you Mm -hmm. know, and the details I was enjoying. But Something just told me like, you know, technology is the future, especially then, you know, like technology was just growing. Even then, what was technology back then? (laughs) I mean, I was using computers, you know, like I was editing on a computer and I was learning how they used to edit with film, like Mm -hmm. use the razor blade and would cut the film. It was all manual. And then they Mm -hmm. would tape it together. I even got to at Columbia, I had the chance to put a film together that way, which was really awesome. Crazy. And also made me appreciate like the technology we have today. So I was just like, technology is just going to keep booming. It's, something just told me like editing, there was just always going to be a job market for it, which mm-hmm. I mean, there really is. And now even more so with social media, like forget oh, it. Yeah. It's exploded, you know? Um, so I am glad I chose editing because of that but like I said a part of it was because even at a young age I was like what's realistically going to make me money in a creative field I was very nervous you know Mm -hmm. I knew I wanted to be in a creative field um but I didn't want to you know be broke or like be hitting up my parents for money and I just I wanted to take care of them like that was my that has been a goal of mine forever. And my mom always tells me like, I got my, I got me, you know, like I can take care of myself. So it's no pressure from them. It's just how I feel because of everything they did for me, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's how we grew up in general. That's the mindset. Like I'll be watching some TV shows. Uh, sometimes we're like widows are just like, um, no, like, uh, why are you giving your money to your parents? Like, why are you taking care of your parents? Like what? Like that's, that's what you do. No, like, yeah. that's, that's what the goal is. Cause they took care of you. Right. <laughs> exactly. And I just always saw from an early age, all the sacrifices that were made and how thought were they, how thoughtful they were with money, because I actually have no student loans. Thanks to my parents. Nice. I got two scholarships for Columbia College and then they helped me with the rest and it was just them working their ass off. Like yeah. they had a five 
year plan. And so because of that, that's always been in the back of my mind. So I'm just like, you know, I wanted to be successful. Like that was a big thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so at Columbia college, that was my first introduction to seeing how white this field was, you know, um, even in my classes, there would be, there were some classes where I was the only female and the only Latina for sure. It was just Mm -hmm. all white guys, you know, in my classes or, you know, then there would be some classes with other women, but there would be like three of us in total or four tops. It was just very slim, Mm -hmm. you know, like the film program itself had a lot of women and diversity, but like, once you started taking your concentration classes and editing, that's where I really saw like, whoa, okay. Where'd y'all go? Yeah, it was just like, that's what I really felt like a minority, like the most I ever had, you know, Yeah. because growing up in Chicago, I mean, I was, you know, Chicago so segregated, I was just surrounded by Mexicans forever. But then I went to Whitney Young, and that was super diverse as a magnet school. And even these after school programs, I was a part of like the art programs, they were all very diverse. So I was always surrounded by diversity, up until college, really. Wow. Yeah, that makes sense. Columbia. And then in the field in general. Um, so now for my next question, I feel like your rising signs starting to make sense or in general, just like thinking back, I feel like what you're saying, like not as social or, but I feel like you always were because I feel like you move from school to school. So you always kind of had to meet new people in general and you always made friends. Like you have like your friends from this school, your friends from this school. And I feel like you kind of carried on those relationships pretty well. So you've, lived in Chicago your whole life, you know, knowing what you wanted to do now. Did you know, like, the next step was I have to go to New York? Well, the thing was, I always thought I would end up in LA. I always Mm -hmm. knew I wanted to move out of Chicago. Mm -hmm. Um, I just wanted to travel. That's probably my rising, you know, Mm -hmm. like I wanted to roam around. We could just say it. I'm a Sagittarius rising. Oh, did you say it already? No, no. Okay. So I'm a Sag rising and um, part of me always knew I was going to move. Uh, I thought LA because I was thinking film, you know, like movies. Mm-hmm. And what happened was that so I graduated from Columbia College. I had a, actually a really good experience at Columbia. I learned a lot, a good foundation. And thankfully, you know, I felt like I really didn't make any friends at Columbia College, but I guess I did because <laughs> um, someone reached out to me a few months after we graduated that he was moving to LA. So there was an opening for his internship, you know, where he was interning at. And he was like, I think you'd be great. You know, you should apply. So I did. And I got this internship and I was there for a few months, almost a year. I really wasn't getting what I wanted from that internship. It was a super outdated post house. Mm. That's where editors work. It's a post house, post production. Mm. Uh, Cause there's a production house, you know where they film the movies or the whatever commercials, TV shows and then post houses handle all the post work which is editing, animation, color, sound, all of that. Um, so I started working at the super outdated post house while interning there. Luckily, there was actually a Mexican editor there. Shout out to Renee. He's actually killing it. Hey. <laughs> he, he became a mentor of mine, definitely took me under his wing. And, but the thing was like that place, they were kind of making stuff that would play at doctor's offices. So it was very, very dry, boring content. 
So I ended up saying like, let me get another internship since I'm only doing this internship a few days out of the week. And then I was working retail as well. Um, but I was like, I'm going to squeeze in another internship. And I found one at the Colony, which is a really cool post house in Chicago. They're still around, um, really great people. And I was only at the Colony for about three months because they told me about a job opening at another post house around the block from them. So I started working. So I applied and I got the job and I started working there. It was this place, Foundation Content. It was owned by a woman. There was like two female, female editors there. You know, the, it was major, the majority were white people working there, but there were some people of color and it was just like a pretty, a pretty good place, like a, a good stepping stone, I would say. And I got a job as a receptionist there, mm-hmm. but they told me like, if you stayed late, hung on, talked to the editors, hung out with the assistant editors, you know, there's room for growth. So I was at Foundation Content for a few months and I somehow got promoted to assistant editor, I think only after six months, which was pretty amazing. But I'm going to be honest, like I was not a good assistant editor in the beginning because this is where my Sag Rising just started sabotaging and, you know, Scorpio as well. There's a lot of self-sabotage. Oh no! I was just all about like, I want to go out and have fun. Mm. so I was definitely kind of showing up hungover sometimes and just like I I and you know what the truth is is that the tech part was really intimidating me because I was enjoying being an editor at school I was editing you know like my own short films or whatever or someone else's short film but when you're an assistant editor that's the that's like the entry-level job that's all tech heavy. Mm. That's like, you're making a bunch of deliverables, you're prepping stuff for the editor, you're conforming things when it comes back. Um, Like when you send things out to color or to a graphics person. So it's just extremely tech heavy. And I still wasn't understanding it completely. All, you know, all the different specs that are involved. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of feel like I was just kind of self-sabotaging myself a little bit and just going out and just like pretending I was like not actually intimidated by this new career I'm in. Mm -hmm. And but then um, that place ended up going under. We all got laid off one day. And but the red flags were all there. I kind of knew it was going to happen because the work was slowing down a lot. Mm and you know one day they were just like this is we're just going to be open for one more week and that's it I know it was it was like pretty dramatic the way it all went down but I was like okay um so now I was laid off and I just kind of saw that in Chicago that's when I realized like okay this is my this is the time I have to leave Chicago um just because it was very limited there's only a few post houses running the game you almost have to wait for like somebody to die like no joke to get into some of these big post houses and then there's all these little ones but I just felt like they all you know it's very hard it's just very hard for them to um survive and I heard that more and more were closing so I was just like I think this is just time this is just like a sign for me to like 
figure something else out. Mm -hmm. So then it was kind of amazing how everything came together uh, because I got laid off at the end of January and my best friend was living in New York and she needed a roommate. And I had saved a little bit of money, uh, luckily, since I was living at home. And I was just like, all right, let's do it. And she was like, I need someone by March. And I told my parents, nobody believed me because I was like, I think I'm going to move to New York. And they were like, yeah, okay. And Don't worry. Oh, it's just something crazy Elizabeth saying. Right. <laughs> She's just saying this crazy stuff. And I was just like, no, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and I started packing up my room. And then luckily my brother, Jose, he was like, I'll drive you. Oh. And my other best friend, Natalie, she's like, I'll help you. So we were like, let's do this. So like in three weeks, we figured it out, a plan to get me to New York. And I think my parents are definitely in disbelief. Um, it was it was pretty hectic. And I was just kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm leaving. Was, was this like, I'm leaving, I found a job and I'm leaving? Or was like, I'm leaving and I'll find a job when I get there. Oh, I had zero plan. I had no plan. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> so the Virgo moon moved out and Sagittarius, <laughs> sa- this is Sagittarius rising, taking over. This is after loca callejera kind of, you know, phase like Sag took over here. But this was like, I was 23, 24. I think I was 24 by the time I moved to New York. Yeah. I just felt like I was always doing what I had to do growing up. You know, like I went to school, I went to college, I got check, jobs. check. Here's for my parents. I've been doing what I had to do. Now it's time for me to do what I actually want to do with my life, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I was just like, I'm going for it. I'm going. In retrospect, I do feel like I could have handled that better. Um, but you live and learn, right? <laughs> so Well, yeah. So you... <laughs> And I feel like Jose just drives everybody to home. Like he's just the driver. So if I ever move, I'm calling Jose. (laughs) Um, So, okay. So you get to New York, no job, no plan. You're there. Well, let me, let me go back. Cause you know what? My Virgo moon kicked in because then I think it was a week before I was like, this is really happening. I'm moving. I spent hours on my resume, the little resume that I had, you know, with the little experience that I had. And I reached out to a bunch of people um, from the colony, like from where I interned and, um, you know, foundation content where I also had worked. I kept in touch with everyone that was working there. And thankfully, one of the producers that worked at foundation content, she had just moved to Chicago from New York, which really sucks for her because she just had gotten this job at foundation content. We all got laid off. But um, I reached out to her and I was like, you know, I'm just going to take this big risk and move to New York. I don't know anyone. Like, do you have any contacts that I could reach out to? And she sent me a list. She was like, I got you. So she sent me a list of people. So I wrote up a cover letter, a resume, and I sent it to everyone on her list. I think like three people responded. Nice. From like, she gave me, I don't know. 12, 15 people to reach out to. Um, And one of them is actually still a good friend of mine, David Manzo. He responded. He was working at this place called Launch, which was, it's a total nightmare of a place. Um, And I can say that because I don't care to work there again. Um, But they did previs 
So they don't even make actual commercials. They hire them to make like animated commercials, Mm -hmm. kind of like an animated storyboard. Some of them are actually like legit animated commercials and some of them are super rough, depending Mm -hmm. on how much there is in the budget. And so it's just kind of so production houses can see like what kind of commercial they're putting together just so they have a, a clearer picture. Um, so it's a very specific type of place. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea like what I was getting myself into. But he was like, we're looking for a receptionist. And I was like, I was just a receptionist. And I had just gotten an assistant editor position. Granted, I was only an assistant editor for three or four months at Foundation Content. And like I said, I really wasn't the best one. Mm-hmm. So... I was really scared. Like I gave into fear. And I think about this decision all the time, but I I took the job, you know, I mean, or I was just like, I was on the road when he emailed me about the receptionist job. And I was like, yeah, I'm down. And then they set up, they called me shortly after. And they were like, when are you in New York coming for an interview? And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm there tomorrow. And they're like, okay, come in the next day, you know? So I was like, wow. So on the road, like things were falling to so this was just an exciting time at the time because I was just like like I said I had zero plan and finally something was coming together yeah I had some job opportunity and also I was just scared because of like just seeing the rent that I was gonna have to start paying I was like oh my god this is expensive Mm -hmm. and New York is an expensive town I was just like I need to have a job now like Mm -hmm. what was I thinking just coming out here like then it just hit me like I need a job right now so I was like let's do this I'm gonna I'll I'll start as a receptionist again and work my way up because I don't know anyone so I was like I can also build my network which is what I ended up doing there so I get to New York I'm interviewed I get the job pretty all like the next day after the interview so everything happened really quickly that job was a total nightmare. I was working like 12 hour days, almost every single day, sometimes more. And I was just a receptionist, you know, like mm-hmm. in the beginning, it was just to close to just lock up the place. Cause these client sessions would go on really late all the time there for about a year. And I was trying to get as involved as I could. Like I was PAing for any shoots. I was associate associate producing, like really getting along with all the producers and helping them out with anything they needed. I was archiving the library, their library, like archiving all their masters. So I really wasn't just doing a receptionist job. Like I was, I had like four jobs in one really. Mm -hmm. And I was making about like 30 K or, and that was with all the overtime, which is nothing in New York. In New York. Yeah. (laughs) That really wasn't like, that was covering my rent. Thankfully, this place, they did give us all seamless accounts because they never wanted us to leave the building. So they would give us a credit for lunch and dinner. Yeah. So that's the only way I felt like I stayed fed because mm-hmm. but then I also was just it was really rough. It was a year and a half of that of me just like working insane hours and also just not doing what I went out there to do. And it was like a really I hit a low point with it. I definitely like felt depressed and I felt like it was never going to happen for me. I was like, I'm not 
I was just really giving into that self-doubt and feeling like I'm not going to become a self, uh, an editor. I can't even get an assistant editor job. And then the place I was at was also kind of racist. Well, not kind of, they were racist and sexist. They were very sexist. And it started to hit me that they were stringing me along because they kept saying like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, we're going to promote you. But, you know, you, you're a good receptionist. Like, they didn't want to lose me as a receptionist. And I just saw that they saw me a certain way. And then it was, like, already reaching a year and a half. And I already had had multiple reviews with my boss. Well, one of my bosses, since I had so many. And it just was going nowhere. And I was getting very fed up. So I finally, like, demanded a talk with him after like he was avoiding me for weeks because he knew like I was upset you know Mm -hmm. and finally I sat him down and I was oh you sat him down I sat him down for real I chased him down when I saw him one day because he was ignoring me straight up and I was like we need to talk right now and he was like okay and I gave him a list of everything I was doing I'm like you know I'm a PA on all these shoots I'm helping the producers like find, assemble their teams, helping them with any paperwork. I'm archiving all these masters and generics for you guys. I'm assisting the editors when I can and on top of my receptionist work. And he was like, uh, well, I saw crumbs on the kitchen counter the other day. And, um, you know, you got to keep an eye on that. And that's where I was just like, so he sees me as a little Mexican maid. Uh-huh. Like, it just really triggered me. Ooh, yeah. And I was like, are you kidding me? And I don't even remember what I said in response to that. But he got up in the middle of me talking. And he was like, I don't have time for this. And he left the room. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, my, I was ready to explode. So I just followed him out of the room and I took a deep breath and I was like okay if that's how it's gonna be tomorrow's my last day and he just like he was walking down the hall and he kind of turned around he was just like and he just kept going like he was just like yeah okay you know and the only reason I didn't quit on the spot like saying like I'm leaving right now was because I knew the other receptionist it was her birthday the next day I requested it off I'm a I'm a considerate person, you know? (laughs) And I remembered, I was like, okay, I don't want to screw her over for her birthday. So I'll finish the week off. It was a Friday. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'll do it. You know, I'll just come in and finish the week. And he totally didn't believe me at all. I went back and I told everybody. I mean, the thing was, I actually got along with the coworkers there. It was the bosses that mm-hmm. the management, they were the ones that were like pretty racist and sexist. But my coworkers, like the editors and the animators, they were all great, you know, and even the producers. And so I told everyone and everyone like felt terrible, but they were all like, you've been jerked around, Liz. Like you should leave, you know, like everyone saw it. I made sure to tell everyone. So no one thought like I was just like saying that, like mm-hmm. I meant it. So then the next day, the day got, the word got out, you know, that that was my last day and everyone was trying to convince me to stay like the managers. Mm-hmm. And then that one guy, that manager called me up 
And he was like, hey, Liz, you know, really sorry about yesterday. I was just in the middle of a lot, so I couldn't really talk to you, but I have time now. You should come down and like, let's finish our conversation and see, you know, what we can do for you. And I was like, you know what? That's fine. I'm actually really busy right now, so I can't come down and talk. And um, like I said, today's my last day. And I hung up on him. And that felt so good. It felt so good. And everyone was so amazed at that place because I, there was something about that place that just had a hold on everyone. It's like they knew how to hire like really nice people that were just hard workers. Mm -hmm. And they like made you feel like you can't find a job anywhere else type of thing. Felt like everyone was kind of like not brainwashed, but I don't know. Like they really had a hold on everyone there. Uh-huh. They and know how to hire the right mindset that they can, you know, manipulate. And, and I feel like this happens an often. Yeah. And I feel like this happens often in creative fields too, because they all know we're all there for our passion, you know? So they like animators. Oh my God, they get screwed over so hard. I don't know how animators do their job. Um, that's a whole other thing, <laughs> but I felt like that shattered that image for them because a lot of people after I left quit and they told me they were like Liz like it was you quitting that kind of inspired me to get out of there like what was the rebellion yeah (laughs) (laughs) so and they threw a party for me it was great (laughs) and but then I was like okay so now I'm back to square one like I I just quit that job without a plan I was gonna say what was the plan okay so Sagittarius Rise is like let's go so now you (laughs) I feel like the Sagittarius rising just makes these decisions on the whim so that probably Virgo moon has to kick in, just has no choice but to kick in like, oh my gosh, here we go again. What is she doing? That's what I've been thinking because I have these moments in my career where I clearly gave in to like security and stability Mm. and that's totally my Virgo moon. Maybe a little bit of Scorpio too, but then there comes a time where it's like it just gets so... I get fed up with it, with all the stability. Mm-hmm. Well, like the stability, sad. the security, the safety, you know, it's nice, you know, especially when you don't, maybe that's what you crave, what you need, but where's the growth from there, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And at that job specifically, I was going nowhere. So that's, that's where I was talking about earlier about regret. Like part of me was just like, I should have left that job way sooner Maybe I shouldn't have even taken that job. I should have kept trying for an assistant editor job. I gave in to fear, but I also was giving, I also was in survival mode. It was just like, what's going to pay the bills now, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I felt, I feel like in my twenties, a lot of my decisions were also based off purely surviving, you know? And, but there is a good, there is an upside to me staying at this job for so long. I build a network there. Mm-hmm. And to this day, this network, I have friends from that place still. Remember that know? chick who walked out? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I still am in touch with a lot of, a lot of them. And they are, they are the ones that helped me find work mm. once I left. So this one producer put me in touch with an agent who finds work for freelancers. And she takes like 10% of your cut, but she gets you the foot, you know, you get your foot in the door. Mm -hmm. So he put me in touch with her. She started finding me little gigs and I was terrified. My first assistant editor gig, she found my first one 
it was like for this top shop thing. And I had just been editing on Final Cut Pro at that point, but everything was Premiere. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't even know Premiere like that, which is now the software I use all the time. But I just pretended I was like, yeah, I know Premiere. And I don't, I didn't know it. Um, and I definitely had like YouTube open the whole time for that job. <laughs> and yes. I was just like, I w- it was just like that fake it till you make it type of thing. And that's what I ended up doing. And I don't know what happened that finally all the stuff that was intimidating me so much, just finally all snapped, like it all made sense. Mm-hmm. And I understood it. I think because I was around it for so long. And once you're in the job and you're actually doing it, it's like, I figured it out. I understood it. And it wasn't a big deal anymore. I like finally got over that fear. And it was just for, from purely doing it and really focusing you know, and taking the time to learn it properly. So I was getting these little assistant editor jobs, which was great. But then I went through a dry spell. There was a month where I didn't get any work and I started getting really nervous. And I was like, you know, I think I need to find a staff job because I think I'm not experienced enough yet for freelance. At least that's how I was feeling. And thankfully a friend of mine Uh, also a producer she hit me up because there was a job opening at her job and it was an assistant editor role so I applied and I got the interview and I got the job and I stayed at this company for about four years so this company is where I really like fine-tuned my skill set you know like I Mm -hmm. learned so much I learned how to like deliver for broadcast like more broadcast like actual commercial it's all commercials that I had been working on New York's a big commercial town you know and then the good thing about this place was that they were a worldwide company so it was actually very diverse a lot of females in leadership positions and I felt really respected there and I think that's why I stayed there and I also got along so well with my coworkers. Mm -hmm. The first two years at this job were brutal because I think when I started, there was four assistant editors in total, including me. Mm -hmm. And then out of nowhere, it was just me and one other person. And then that other person, he was kind of more of a manager role. So I was the only assistant editor at one point and I was drowning in work. And I think that's where I also like just learned so much because I, it was a lot. And I was getting very, very burnt out. But then, you know, they kept telling me, they're like, we're going to hire people and we're going to promote you. And I was just like, am I back where I was at this other place? Mm, You know, like, yeah, I've heard this before, you know, and I was just like debating, should I leave this place as well? But then they actually hired people and I got promoted to junior editor. So I stayed there for an additional two years. I got promoted to junior editor. Then it was time for me to experience my first client session. I think it was like a Tums commercial or something. And I was really intimidated because it was like a group of white guys, the creative directors. It's really weird because it's not like I'm working directly with the main client. I'm working with ad agency people Mm. that the client client, um, hires and then the ad agency people agency people hire us the post the post team Mm -hmm. so even though they weren't like clients clients like we had to treat them like our clients 
and they came in and it was just such an uptight environment and it was very stuffy and I just felt like there was no room for mistakes. It was really shaky, my first client session. And then it just hit me that like, these guys don't know anything about editing. I mean, they know like little things like, oh, I need an H264, like super basic things or like, yeah, can you export a ProRes? But that's like, that's not really anything. And it's just like, it hit me like, I'm experienced. I had gone through two years of what it felt like boot camp of assistant editing. And I was confident in my skill set. And that's where I was just like, just lean into that confidence and realize like you're here for a reason because they don't know Mm -hmm. that specific job that you're doing, that you're um, providing. And that's where, you know, I got over that in the intimidation pretty quickly because I was just like, I know my shit, you know? Yeah. That helped out a lot. And these client sessions, it's all about like gaining their trust and making them feel confident in your whatever like solutions you might be providing. And also that gives you a little bit of creative freedom once you gain that trust from the client. So that would be my goal for all these client sessions. I definitely had some weird moments. Like I had an assistant editor with me on a job and I usually was always my own assistant editor. That's the thing about being a junior editor. You're the assistant and the editor. But this job had such a tight turnaround that they were like, we're gonna give you an assistant. So I was like, cool. And it was this, I mean, I knew him. He was my coworker, super nice guy. He was this white guy. Um, And when our clients came in, all white men, they automatically went to him because they see us in the room. They see a white guy and a Latina and right away they went to him and started talking to him like he was the editor when we were already on a thread on an email chain introducing me as the editor and I even chimed in and was like hey guys can't wait to work with you blah 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 so it was super rude like just extremely rude on their part to just like completely ignore me and like right away start talking to this to the assistant editor And, you know, him and I were cool and he just like looked at me and he looked so embarrassed and like, what should I do? Like, he didn't even know what to say. His like jaw kind of dropped and I didn't even skip a beat because I was just like, at that point, I was like, I already know how these white guys are, like, whatever. I'm not going to let it bother me. And I was like, so here's the game plan I have for this edit. And I just started talking. Yeah. And then they, it just like caught their attention and they just like you know, started listening to me and they're like, oh yeah, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, It was just like such, I just always remember that. Like it was just such a funny moment. And by the end of that client session, like they were begging me to like work on something else for them. And just like, you know, they were clearly happy with the work I was doing. So that would happen to me a lot. And even with the good client sessions that I did have, like there were times where I was getting along great with my um, clients, but little things would slip out. Like this one time, this one client called me Speedy Gonzalez because I was, oh hell no, because I was moving so fast and I was, and it, he meant it as a compliment too. <laughs> and then I just kind of like, you know me, my face says a lot. 
like I can never hide my emotions. I feel mm-hmm. sometimes, sometimes I feel like my face says it all. So I just gave him a look and he immediately apologized. And he was like, I don't even know why I said that. Oh my God. But there was always these little weird moments, <laughs> you know, and it was just funny. I just like, didn't let them get to me. So that's all I have to say about that. Like, just don't let any of that get to you, you know, because at the end of the day, if you're being hired to do a certain job, it's because you know, that job you know Mm -hmm. well and yeah so let's just talk about in general in this field in editing particularly you know you have film then you kind of get into your concentration editing it's like how many women are in this field and how many latinas are in this field so the statistics on that vary they're kind of all over you know like but looking up freelance video editors it's about like 70 percent are male 22 are women but that's for freelancing so for Mm -hmm. staff I think there was some statistic I saw that was like 51% are men and 49 are women we are getting up there I have seen a difference than when I first started in this field there are more of us out there women women when it comes to Latinas Latinos in general I mean like I think it's like 68% are white men uh, and 13% of freelance editors are Hispanic, Latino, 7% are Black. I honestly have met only a handful of Black editors. They're mm-hmm. all killing it, though. The ones I do, I do know, they're doing amazing work. But, like, so that's that's pretty small, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, like, you lump Latinos, Latinx, into 13%. So how much of that 13% now is Latinas? Like, and if you can name off the top of your head, you know, Latina editors, well, we all know one now, Elizabeth right. Requena. <laughs> Who else? I know, like, two, two Latina editors. <laughs> you know? I never even got to really work with them, but I've met them through passing. And I remember when I met them, I was like, oh, my God let's hang out, <laughs> you know, yeah. and they were like, not super down to hang out, but it's fine. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so there's not many of us at all. Like there really isn't. And even in my, you know, at Hogarth for the longest, I was the only female working there as a assistant editor mm-hmm. and then editor. Eventually then we did get more female editors coming in for sure. Uh, but still wasn't a lot you know Mm -hmm. the majority has always been men well then once again I feel like it kind of plays into this like how many young women young girls think of this as an option you know when they ask you what do you want to be when you grow up how many little girls say editor in general maybe like you think creative field like as you kind of jumped in like I know I want to be a creative and just thinking about like the limitations of these programs now available you know to kids in the neighborhoods like how much exposure does this industry get to you know Latinos Latinas in general like how do we expose more kids to this as an option and kind of take away that risk factor into going into a creative field. So I think your story is very interesting in figuring out and how can I get into creative field and make money <laughs> out of yeah. this field in general. So you kind of find that nice little industry, little pocket where it's like, okay, maybe in a way, like this is how I explain it to my parents, like, no, this will make money, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I kind of felt like I had to sell it, but the, 
the truth is my parents were always very supportive, which I'm very happy about and lucky. Cause that's not always the case, you know, no, it's definitely not always the case. And I know, I feel like maybe my dad was a little nervous when he heard about it, but you know, I had, I, I told him like, I, I think I have a plan which I really didn't, but I just felt like I could make money off of this, which I, I have, you know, and, and I think it's growing that exposure that you were talking about, Mm -hmm. you know, like I do hope more women go into editing because things have changed, you know, like you can edit on your phone now, Mm -hmm. people are editing on TikTok, you know, social media has changed everything. I mean, mm-hmm. you edit videos too. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know shit about editing, but I was like, <laughs> but you do it. And <laughs> yeah, it's not good. So it's just like, I'm glad there. It is more accessible. You know, like some people say, well, does that intimidate you? You know, it's going to be more competitive. But I'm like, honestly, no. There's room for all of us. Like, we need mm-hmm. to stop with this whole competitive crap. Mm-hmm. You know, because I I have encountered women in this industry who are intimidated by other female editors and that is so disappointing mm-hmm. because it's like let's support each other there's not a lot of, of us you know I try to if I you know meet an assistant that's a female or meet a female editor I want to connect with them you know like let's not look at it at, at each other as competition so you're in this field, you're killing it. And so now I remember <laughs> you telling me a one year, you know, you weren't going to be coming down to Chicago for one of the holidays because you're trying to save money to start your own like freelance business, essentially, you know, kind of go off on your own. So now that you've been working and editing for a while for someone else, you have that stability, you have that nice paycheck coming in. What made you decide to go into freelance editing and essentially into business for yourself in a way like by working for someone else you get to do what you love with a secure paycheck so why would you quote unquote risk that financial security so I would blame it on my Sag placements maybe but (laughs) like my Saturn return happened actually when when I finally made the move at the end of my Saturn return is when I made the move to freelance which is kind of amazing yeah um I mean I I felt so trapped as staff even though it was hard because like I said I liked my co-workers I felt really respected there I had a voice you know I was getting paid well there was still room for growth like realistically, I should have stayed there for another two years. But the biggest, biggest issue at that place was that all the work was starting to become pharma work, pharmaceutical commercials. Mm. And I'm just like the pharma industry, I have like huge issues with. And I just, I couldn't deal with it. It was depressing me after a while working there. I really hated it. It was so weird because I'm like, I'm doing what I always wanted to do. I like being on these programs all day long. Like there are parts of my job that are really fun, at least fun to me, you know, Mm -hmm. but the content that I was editing, I hated it so much. And, and then it was just becoming such a chore. And like our days are always 10 hour days minimum. Like no matter what, which I'm like, what? 
like who signed up like who decided this Why i didn't did I sign wanna... this in the contract yeah i'm like i was never okay with 10 hour days but whatever like, whatever like sometimes i'm like i wish i could just work eight hours but you know those 10 hour days easily turn into 12 like no problem so after a while it's just kind of like i just felt so trapped there and i was just like i need to branch out i'm in new york like i can't I don't need all this stability anymore. Like there are so many opportunities in New York. Why am I limiting myself? And I just felt like freelance would be the way to like, just really get to explore so many different pockets of this industry, you know, of what New York has to offer. And that's what I really wanted. And my friend from my first miserable job um, where I was a receptionist, he he reached out to me. He's an editor. He was an editor for Pat McGrath. And he was like, Hey, you know, I really need help. I'm kind of the only editor, me and this other guy. And like, we need someone else on our team. Are you interested? You know, you could start off as a freelancer. If you want to be staff, we could talk about it from there. And I was like, let's do it. Perfect. Also Pat McGrath, you know, I don't know if you ever seen her Instagram, but it's like super creative content, super fun Mm. content. So I was just like, this is what I need after living. I mean, after being in such a corporate environment for so long and it was just so stuffy, it just wasn't me at all. Mm -hmm. Like it really wasn't. I was there for the proper training, which I got. And then, you know, I made my way up to a junior editor. So I was just like, I know there's still room for growth here, but I'm so unhappy with Mm -hmm. the content. Like it's just time for me to move on. And I left there properly. You know, I put in my two weeks notice. It wasn't like this dramatic thing. I know people were surprised, but it was just like, it was just time, you know? And, and I, I wonder if now, especially with your Saturn return, but like your midheaven is coming into play here a little bit more, uh, which like the midheaven does kind of relates to your career and life path. And once again, another Virgo placement here, your midheaven and Virgo. And I can relate to this where, specifically your career and where your life takes you, you have to feel like there's, you're contributing something. It's meaningful. You're passionate about it. People with their Virgo midheaven, you can't work just to work. You can't work just to collect that check. Like I always thought I could kind of be like, whatever, do what you need to do and get that nice little Yeah, I remember you saying that. It's, but no, no, (laughs) it creeps up on you and you're just like, and then it takes a toll on you. Mm -hmm. No. It was another point in my life where I started to feel depressed again. And yeah, I was just like, it's time to switch it up and make a change. And even though like with Pat McGrath, it's not like I was doing, I wasn't fulfilling that. Like I want to make an important difference, you know, Mm -hmm. or do something positive, but it was at least giving me creative creativity. Mm -hmm. And also it was a way for me to like leave that job with another job. Cause at yeah. that point I didn't want to just quit yeah. with nothing. I was like, no, this time I'm going to have something lined up, you know, <laughs> like I got to chill. I'm not 24 to- anymore. You know, like I was, already, I was already 30. So I was like, let me have a plan. Exactly. So I worked for Pat McGrath for about nine months and that was wow that was like a whirlwind it felt like a reality tv show working for her because every day was just like here's like 20 30 clips make something really cool like a 30 second video that's really cool and we want to post that at the end of the day 
which half of the time our content wasn't even posted. <laughs> I, I edited so many things there that I was like super happy about that like never got posted. And it's like, whatever, it's fine. It hurt a little, <laughs> but, but it was just like, wow, there I got drained in a whole different way that I had never been drained before. Cause this was all creative, you mm-hmm. know? So it was really cool. Like just using those creative muscles more than I used to, you know, at the, at the other jobs, it was a little more cookie cutter. Sometimes there was room for creativity, you know, but not really. Um, and then, you know, I did work on films, but that would have to be after work. It's hard spending so many hours in front of a computer. I was at Pat McGrath for about nine months and I was already, then I started itching for something. I can't, that's the thing. I get into these modes where I get like some type of stability and you just let it, I mean, it just keeps going. Time just keeps passing. So I was like, I don't want to go with the flow. Let me make moves for something new. I had saved up some money. So I was like, I'm just going to take a month off. Like that's what I did freelance for, right? So I could take time off when I want to. So I took a month off and this was in 2020, February. (laughs) And I got heavily involved with um, the Bernie campaign. I started phone banking. And so I got kind of distracted there and I just got all involved with that, with the primaries and door knocking. And then I was like, I'm going to make a video. I hadn't done a video in such a long time for so long. I had just been doing editing and you know, I used to do, I mean, you've been in my old short films. Hey, I was to be. Yeah, we do. So, so she was my leading lady in a lot of, of short films I did in college and high school. And I hadn't filmed in such a long time. So I didn't realize like how much I missed it being a part of the production side of things. It's so much fun. It's so much more social mm-hmm. as well. You know, as being an editor, you're just behind a computer screen for hours in a dark room. Like I spent so many summers just like in the dark, I feel <laughs> And so I was just kind of like, I'm ready for like, let me explore other things in my industry, you know, like, let me stop limiting myself. So I made a video for Bernie, uh, just promoting him during the, pri- the primaries, but it was so much fun. Finally, like being the producer, the director, you know, the cinematographer, everything. And I realized like, I need to start getting back into this more, like creating my own work. Mm-hmm. And like, not just always working for someone else. So I was super excited for the future. And then COVID happened in March. And it was funny because, you know, I took the month of February off and I made this video. And then March came and I was like, okay, I think it's time for me to like, find work again. And I found work. Mm-hmm. So I was like super happy that I was just able to find work. And then I worked two days at this studio I had never worked at before. And then they announced the shutdowns in New York. And I got an email the next day and they're like, sorry, Liz, we're going to have to cancel the booking because we don't know what's happening. And I had an interview lined up for mid-March or the end of March that was canceled. They were like, we're not hiring. (laughs) 
Um, I had another, it wasn't an official booking, but I had a hold at another studio that got canceled. So Mm. within a week, I lost three jobs. And I was just like, whoa, you know, what's going to happen? But I was like, you know what? It hit me. So I think I was already realizing in February when I was doing the, the Bernie video, how burnt out I was from editing. And I was like, I need to like, just not look at a computer for months. Mm-hmm. And the thing was, I was still trying to edit a whole other Bernie project during when the beginning of COVID. I was, you know, that sadly didn't go anywhere because it, it turned into this animation thing, which like, I'm not an animator. I know some animation stuff, but like, it's a whole other monster. And I was like, I can't do this. Like, I really resented my computer. Like, I didn't want to look at my computer. And I was like, I think I'm over editing. Like, I, I just felt so negative about editing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it was just me being burnt out. I was super burnt out. I had never taken a break from editing. And thankfully I was able to get on, on unemployment. So for COVID that helped me a lot. Um, so I was able to take a break. And that's when I discovered a whole new passion, which was herbalism. Mm. And, you know, we're talking about like now everyone's seeing how much it's, how draining it is to be behind a computer, right? Because now everyone's working remote. Yeah, it really sucks to work behind a computer <laughs> for hours. Like, trust me, like that's my whole career. And so I just realized like, I'm a pretty hands-on person. I need to do something with my hands. And I had gotten COVID in March as well. So that made me super concerned about my health because I, my lungs did not feel okay. And I think part of it is from growing up in Little Village, to be honest, because of that power plant yeah. that was nearby. Like, I know a lot of people have asthma because of that. And I'm like, I was never diagnosed with asthma, but I think like I have something. Five weeks for me to, maybe six weeks for me to get over COVID. Like it was my symptoms were always kind of mild. Like it never got too extreme, but like my lungs didn't feel okay for so long. And that really scared me. And then, you know, I started seeing all these articles talking about like the long-term effects of COVID. And so I was just like, I need to make some lifestyle changes and start living a healthier lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I heard about mullein. That's an herb that really helps your lungs. It restores scar tissue. So I started drinking a lot of mullein tea And then I just like, you know, I had all this time on my hands. So I just started looking up different herbs. And then I just started following certain Instagram accounts. Thankfully, like the wellness and spiritual community, they're so open about sharing their knowledge Mm. that I learned so much through different people's Instagram accounts. And so I started like collecting herbs. I started making my own tea blends and making my own tinctures. I'm still like, this was all just for me, you know, just Mm -hmm. for fun and just to learn and to live a healthier lifestyle. And well, I won't say it yet because I'm, this is still in the works, but it has inspired some new projects that I'm going to try out later on this year, you know, but it's more of that Virgo Medheaven, you know, Mm -hmm. like combining, because for a while I was ready to ditch editing. Like, I think everyone in 2020, you know, we all had those moments where it's like, Cause we're all forced to slow down. So we had more time to reflect and think about our careers. And it's like, 
part of me was like, maybe it's time for me to do something else. But then honestly, I was like, what? Like, I don't know <laughs> what else. Like, I love, I love that I just get to work with visuals all day. You know, I get to work with video all day. And, you know, I'm not big on writing a bunch of emails or like reading. <laughs> so, reading and writing just, is still not a thing. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, uh, I think this might be the job for me. But I just realized I need to think of it differently. So like I said, there was a point where I was like, I think I'm going to do like I'm done with editing. But I just needed a break because mm-hmm. now work started picking up, you know, around September, my unemployment ran out and I started getting hit up for jobs. So I was like, all right, let me do it, you know. And I took a job that was so insane. Like the hours were insane. And it was just like, I was like, oh, this is what I hate about this industry. This was, this is why I was ready to like leave. But then that booking was over. It was only a two and a half long booking. And I'm like, mm. oh, right. This is why I'm a freelancer. Cause then I could take a break from crazy jobs. Nice. And so I took a break. Then I found another freelance job, which I've been enjoying a lot actually. And I'm starting to remember what I loved about editing again. And I'm like, okay, so I'm not done with editing. I just needed a break. That's all. But now I have this whole new passion with herbalism and it's a whole, it's a nice break from like being in front of a computer. Like I need something else where I'm not looking at a screen. So that, that gives me that, you know, it's all about balance for me, you know, like I like working. I respect the hustle, but I don't want to work all the time. I want to enjoy my life, you know? So that's what freelance life has been giving me right now. More freedom, more time. I, I'm saying no to jobs at this point. Oh, that's good. Because I'm like, I already have a job. I'm booked. I'm fine with that because then booked I have and busy. time to do other things. Booked and busy. You know, I'm starting to get more into wellness, which I you know, I've been reading like Virgo's huge on that. And um, we kind of are natural healers, um, people with Virgo placements, you know, uh, you're just drawn to that. So I just feel like I'm getting super drawn into this world of herbalism and I'm ready to combine it with my other world of editing. Also the Virgo talking is like, well, here's a passion. You can also turn this into a business. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm going to like, try to make money it's more it's it's gonna be something else we'll, <laughs> we'll see I'm not ready to fully talk about it but it's not really like gonna be business because I was thinking that I'm like I don't want to turn another passion into a job because then it got me where I got me like last year where I was almost done with editing mm-hmm. you know it is inspiring a lot of creativity I will say that that's good. So we'll have to stay tuned and see what's next for Elizabeth and where herbalism takes her. So in a way, like for a lot of people sometimes, and you know, I've mentioned it for me, like kind of taking that pause to, you know, take a break has really introduced some new and really good, maybe healthy things into our life and in general, just taking that break. So I'm, I'm curious and definitely going to have to follow along to see where this takes you. And, you know, this wild ride in general, you know, from, you know, coming from Chicago, finding this creative passion and now being your own freelancer, which at the same time, you essentially are your own boss. Yes. Yeah. 
I mean, pretty much like I had to set up my own website. You know, that was the crucial thing. You have to find your own Um, jobs. I have to find my own jobs. Thankfully, I have a strong network. You know, it's really my network has helped me throughout my entire career. So shout out to everyone who has helped me. You know who you are. I'm so (laughs) grateful because I couldn't have done it without a lot of the people I've met in my path. Like a lot of people looked out for me. And I will say a lot of them were women and a lot of them were Latinos, like men, Latino Mm -hmm. men, you know, like really looking out for me. And I just really appreciate that. I feel like they saw, they knew like, here's a Latina, there ain't a lot of you, you know, in this industry, like, I got your back. Mm -hmm. Community mindset, maybe more so. Exactly. So I did feel that a lot. um, And I'm grateful. Yeah, I'm excited to see where my new path takes me. You know, I just realized it doesn't matter what title I have. You know, I, I think for so long, I wanted a seat at the table. And now I'm at this place in my life where I'm like, I'm building my own damn table. So happy to have learned a little bit more about your journey and in general editing and, you know, as a Latina editor. So now before we end this, I want to go into lightning round questions. So basically, you know, whatever kind of comes to mind first, um, you know, go ahead and we'll talk about that. So first question is, who is a Latina that inspires or motivates you? I'm going to say Frida. Frida Kahlo because she was and you know it's really hard because my mom is also the other Latina so sorry (laughs) it's like you definitely inspire me every single day with your hard work um but Frida inspires me like as an artist because she the time that she grew up you know like women were just so restricted even more than we are now and she was just like she never let that intimidate her and she always still did her own thing she was very non-conforming she was also like very political and I agreed with a lot of her politics and she's just as badass I just felt like she was fearless and even though she had so many obstacles you know Mm -hmm. and also her art you know like I'm a huge fan of surrealism And even though she doesn't consider, she never considered herself a surrealist. I think she used to always say like, I don't paint my dreams. I paint my reality. Mm. Such a like haunting quote that I just, I love it. Um, But her style, that's like kind of what I've always been into. Like some type of like, I, I like experimental editing, which is something I'm playing more with and I need to do more of. And I got to do a little bit of that with Pat McGrath, you know, but Mm -hmm. I'm just saying like, that's one of the reasons Frida inspires me. Like her style is just so dope to me. And then like just how fearless she was, especially during that time. Nice. Okay. Next question. What is the best piece of advice you have ever received? You know, I don't even know who told me this, but I think it was just what I was touching on earlier, which was just like, don't be intimidated by these people because you were hired I think it might have been my mom always telling me like they're hiring you for a reason you know because you can provide the skill set you can provide the service so don't let these people intimidate like your clients these white guys whatever don't let them intimidate you you know because you got this 
that sounds like something your mom would say. Totally. <laughs> I can hear her voice. Yeah. <laughs> you know me, huh? <laughs> exactly. Okay. Hi, Tia. Um, okay. <laughs> what is a piece of advice you would give anyone wanting to pursue a career in editing? I would say be careful with just diving in so hard. You know, um, because of course, when you're young and graduating college and first stepping into this field, I mean, you do have to give it your all because you're starting at the bottom and you need to stick out. Mm -hmm. But remember to take care of yourself, you know, spending hours behind a computer, like I've been saying, it really takes a toll on your body. Stretching is so important, like yoga. If Mm -hmm. I don't do yoga for a week, I am like the cranky. I'm so cranky and miserable. Mm -hmm. And yoga makes all the difference. Like, I think as editors, we just do not put your health, you know, on the back burner. Make sure to find that balance. Take care of yourself. Go for walks. Take screen breaks. Eat healthy. If you're eating crap, you know, sometimes you're so many times I've like was eating at my desk. I always took lunch at my desk or dinner at my desk, you know, and then you're having such a miserable day you order something tasty, right? You're like, I want to have fried chicken or some fries (laughs) or whatever, something that'll make me happy for that moment. And it's just like, be careful with all that. Like, you know, I honestly would do a better job when I was working, like when I was eating healthier, Mm -hmm. you know, it gives you more brain power. (laughs) Yeah. So that's just advice that I have for any up and coming editors is take care of your physical body, take care of your health because it will catch up to you. Okay. Uh, what is the best resource that has helped you along your journey? I mean, my network, you know, like it is so important to build relationships with the people you're working with. Like we need to stop just like coming into work, checking in, checking out, you know, like I'm just here to work and that's it. And sometimes it is like that. Like there are days where it's just like, I'm just focusing on my work, but I'm so glad I took the time to get to know my coworkers because then we built, you know, these relationships, these bonds, and then it's helped me out because they'll think of me later on if there's a job opening. And I also will do the same. Anytime I can help someone find a job, like I am more than happy to. Mm -hmm. Let me just say also um, right now, post-production is thirsty for diversity so right now, really, if you're, if you're Latinx, if you're black, if you're Asian, any, you know, any type of minority, like right now they want to hire you. <laughs> so nice. if you have that type of training, you know, and you feel confident, like, please, we need more people of color in this field. And I think right now, like I've been getting hit up so much and I feel it's because they see my last name and they're like, what is that? Like, <laughs> you know, like Rekena, or I don't know if they know how to even pronounce it, but they're like, that doesn't sound like white, you know, and it's a female. So I've been getting hit up. And also I keep getting hit up for, um, they need bilingual people. They need mm-hmm. bilingual editors. There's a lot of Spanish content and you know, I've edited a lot of stuff in Spanish, but like I said, I have a job right now. So I'm like turning work down, but we are in need of Spanish speaking editors. So I hope there's more of us. And if anyone out there is listening, please, you know, check out my website, lizrakenna.com. I have my email out there. 
on my website, reach out to me anytime if you're looking for work in editing. I will definitely try to help. Good to know. Make sure you're following Elizabeth. If there is anything you could change about your journey, what would it be? I think I wouldn't give so much, give into fear so much like I did in the beginning. Like I said, that one job I took, you know, I do have regret in that. I kind of wish I just like went for it a little bit more, was a little bolder and like a little more fearless when it came to like being an assistant editor. The tech side of things just really intimidated me and I wish it didn't, mm. you know. Next, more fun question, because I feel like music really can make a change in your mood, let you be in your feelings, help you get out of your feelings and, you know, your state of mind. What is your favorite motivational song? Motivational song? I know you're Scorpio. You like those in your feelings music, probably. Water yeah, because I'm like, I, <laughs> I honestly do not have that motivational playlist whatsoever. <laughs> My music is like. You know, I like a lot of post-punk and new wave stuff, but so I can't honestly answer that question, but I will say that like, when I'm, something just gets you through when I'm editing, like I always put on lo-fi music. <laughs> I just find like, you know, like on YouTube, they have all those like lo-fi videos. It's like mm-hmm. just li- live lo-fi. Um, Cause I need something calming mm-hmm. actually. And I don't, I can't have anything too distracting while I'm editing because sometimes, you know, there's audio with it. So, I have mm-hmm. to, um, so that's just like, you know, working from home. I love working from home, by the way, because I love setting the mood when I'm working. Like I turn on my incense, I turn on my candles, I have my lo-fi. Like I need a very calming and peaceful environment while mm-hmm. I'm working to keep me calm because otherwise like my anxiety gets crazy um so that's all I yeah that helps me get through the day something okay. calming. maybe I'll rephrase that question what helps you get through because like yeah I've got like my other I'm very Gemini Leo like ah. you like uh, to get hyped up but yeah yeah so I need to hide my Aries moon knock if you bug like let's go you know <laughs> uh, but I do understand needing like that calming stable kind of like music and like as soon as I said I was like oh Scorpio like I'm thinking of Frankie (laughs) Frankie, my fiance he likes his candles too you know so that nice calming environment for the Scorpios okay I need it (laughs) otherwise I mean like then I'm just driving myself crazy true I mean crazy is okay (laughs) (laughs) all right um now let's just repeat this so once again if you have any other plugs where can listeners connect with you online so definitely check out my website lizrakenna.com um there I have a contact area you could check out my work there and then yeah feel free to hit me up you know if you have any questions I'm happy to answer any questions I know what it's like to just have zero network in the beginning, you know, like I didn't know anyone in the beginning and now I know a lot of people and I'm just, I'm willing to pay that forward, you know, all the help Mm -hmm. that I got. Yeah. So I will make sure to link your info in the show notes for anybody who is interested, who's listening, who has been thinking about getting in this field or know somebody, you know, to listen to this podcast and just don't let that 
fear or lack of knowing anybody stop you in a way. Here is someone who did it in their crazy journey in their own crazy way. (laughs) But hopefully, you know, this is once again, uh, a story somebody's journey that can inspire and help you. So thank you so much, Elizabeth, even though I know you there, I feel like there's a lot of this that I didn't know. So thank you so much for sharing and joining us on the work Miha podcast. And I hope everybody, you know, tunes in and make sure to follow Liz. I know she likes to stay under the radar a little bit, but we will find her. We will find that Scorpio. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And thank I you know guys. my, my IG is private. Yeah, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to follow the Work Miha podcast for uh, this story and many more to come for some very inspiring mujeres. Let's connect mujeres, empowering mujeres. Thank you all so much for listening and uh, tune in next time. Bye.